This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Inside the Tunnel, presented by VT Scoop on 247sports.com. Get out of here and get something cold to drink. <laughs> Y'all want to, too, you know it. All right, let it rip, let it rip, let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Inside the Tunnel. This is your host, Matei Sis, and today we're going to do things a little differently. Normally, we have Doug on here. He's busy. Sometimes we have Evan on here. He's busy. Thanksgiving is coming up. People are doing whatever they have to do before they see their relatives next week. I totally understand. That also means... The week coming up is a crucial one. Everyone's looking forward to Virginia Tech football. I hope, I hope, after what just happened against Miami, we'll break some of that down. Then we'll look forward to Pittsburgh. It's going to be a fun time. Let's try this out. Let's see how it goes. A solo cast. I'm pretty much talking to myself in my room right now. It's a little weird. I'm not going to lie. But hopefully you guys can find some enjoyment out of this uh, and pick up something maybe you didn't know before. So, with that being said, Virginia Tech. Honestly, these podcasts are getting tougher and tougher to do. Virginia Tech falls again. They fall to number nine, Miami, 25-24. I was down in Asheville. I was visiting my sister. First time in Asheville, North Carolina. Now, the reason this is significant, I've watched a lot of games in different places this season. The first game of the year, I was up in New York, NC State win. I watched Duke game at my buddy's place win. I watched the Boston College game in Richmond win. This was the first neutral site loss that I've been to where Virginia Tech has lost. Every other game Virginia Tech has lost has been at my place. So my place is haunted. Asheville, I'll give a pass for now. Great time, great breweries, great outdoorsy activities, hiking around. Highly recommend it, but getting into this game, the nitty-gritty, what happened? Virginia Tech on Saturday, dare I say it, for the first three quarters of the game, was the better team. Miami, with a number nine ranking attached to their name, did not look like the top ten team throughout the first three quarters. Virginia Tech did a lot of things differently. Here are some of the takeaways I have from this game. Justin Hamilton was very smart. He returned to some of the philosophy bestowed upon him by Bud Foster. He returned to some of the Bud Foster defense, and it paid off well. Ashby and Hollyfield combined for 24 tackles. The defensive line and linebackers combined for six sacks, all because Miami had a lot of trouble with their offensive line. One thing I found very interesting is that Dax Hollyfield in the player interviews this week said that Virginia Tech went back to man free. What that means is that the defensive backs on the outside are playing man to man. 
and the free safety, Devin Taylor, or Devon Diablo, they've been interchanging this year, pretty much acts as the insurance blanket. They're staying over the top, waiting for that big pass to happen. They're preventing any touchdowns. What this allows is the linebackers to move up and attack freely. And we've seen dividends paid off. This was the best that the Virginia Tech defense looked all season long. Maybe you can argue NC State, but that was a little different, right? I I think the game plan going into this game defensively was perfect and that the defense was not an issue. Sure, they gave up some big plays, critical plays, but knowing what you've seen out of the Virginia Tech defense, namely UNC, namely Wake Forest, namely Liberty, Liberty. This was the best performance they could have put in against a top-ranked team. And without a doubt, the players on that side of the ball, of course, there's always going to be plays you want to have back, but I have no complaints about this unit. Offensively, Jalen Holston. How about him? I mean, he's now averaging nine yards per carry on the season. 36 yards, two touchdowns against Miami. This guy absolutely showed up. He was the highest-rated player, according to PFF, for Virginia Tech, and he got four carries. Four carries. Now, throughout the week, they've been saying, you know, Jalen Holston, he's been playing well on special teams. He'll see more time in upcoming weeks. But where was the adjustment during the game? Why wasn't he getting more snaps? Is he just a special teams player? Is he just sitting behind everyone? So I do have a lot of problems with that. I understand Miami made more of an adjustment after Jalen Holston's success, after Hendon Hooker had a 53-yard run. They started clogging up the middle, packing more guys in the box, and really the running game didn't do too much after that. Besides for those two touchdowns and Hendon Hooker getting that touchdown, that was it. That was it. That was the run game right there. But Jalen Holston needs to play a bigger role. We've seen Raheem Blackshear. We've been patient with Raheem Blackshear. He just isn't that type of player at running back. And the funny thing is that now it looks like Jalen Holston is the Khalil Herbert at Kansas. Khalil Herbert is now the Puka Williams. Jalen Holston has shown ability time after time, small sample size. I'm aware of that. But if you're running with a less than 80% Khalil Herbert, I think Jalen Holston has to be the second guy up. I think the experiment of Raheem Blackshear in the backfield, especially taking carries and trying to become that RB1, just isn't working. And the adjustments were not made in the game. And that's my biggest problem. Jalen Holston, we've seen, look, he's been on the wrong side of read options before, and maybe that trust in the coaching staff just isn't there. The coaching staff just doesn't want to play someone that's not fully aware of every single outcome, but... Bottom line is, he was running hard. He was blocking well. You got to give a guy like that more carries. Hendon Hooker. He was the lowest offensive graded starter besides for Luke Tenuta. Why is that the case? I wouldn't say that Hendon Hooker had a bad game by any means. He made some big plays, but when it comes to his passing ability, he was not able to find a lot of past the first down marker. Looking at his stats specifically in this Miami game, Hendon Hooker was 15 for 15 within 10 yards. 
He was four for 14 beyond 10 yards, including an interception. Now, what does this mean? Hennon Hooker was responsible for four of his own sacks. Four of his own sacks. He spends way too much time in the pocket, and this is a multi-layered issue. The offensive line, as good as it's been this year, has not been the same dominant force in pass protection. It was clear with Jalen Phillips, who I believe won ACC Lineman of the Week, that he couldn't hold his own in pass protection. They had to make adjustments. And in Hooker, he was holding the ball too long. The wide receivers, they can't get separation to save their lives this season. Down the field, specifically. So, while his stat line wasn't the worst, it wasn't a good game. And I think this is a growing concern of this offense. Time and time again, we've seen that the Virginia Tech offense is unable to generate consistency, efficiency within the passing game. Sure, there's smoke and mirrors here and there. But beyond that, where's the real consistency? And I think that's going to be a big issue going up against Pittsburgh. I think worst of all, there's a growing concern about Hendon Hooker's progression since he got to Blacksburg. And when we talk about dual threat quarterbacks, we don't mean a dynamic guy that can move the chains. We're talking about a guy that can be a game breaker as a runner and as a passer. I think last year, his high efficiency the, the playbook was set to benefit him as a passer using those smoke and mirrors. There's a reason that the offense looks the way it does, and it benefits him as a runner. The problem is, beyond the first down marker, there hasn't been massive plays year over year with Hendon Hooker. That's an area of concern, and we talked about it. It's a multi-layered issue, and I don't want to pin this all on Hendon Hooker because I don't think it's fair to him. Coming into the season, the wide receiver number two was James Mitchell, who's a tight end. If not him, it's Tavion Robinson, who's a slot receiver. So the mixture of talent at wide receiver, being unable to sustain blocks, maybe not progressing through his reads long enough in the pocket, not being comfortable without a quick three-second decision. All those things are the kryptonite of this Virginia Tech offense. And the worst part about it, and it leads into my final takeaway of this game, that's all we saw in the fourth quarter. Now, I could talk about how the conservative approach late in the third quarter just didn't benefit Virginia Tech. I think they were just happy to be there at that point. But it ultimately comes down to whatever was going right, whatever adjustments Miami made, Virginia Tech just didn't make those adjustments on offense. And there's so many things that we can talk about why that's the case. But ultimately, it's another time that Virginia Tech fails to close out a game. In the past two weeks, we've seen inconsistency from the defense against Liberty and then inconsistency against Miami on offense. And this is a growing concern. Miami has inconsistency on defense against NC State, finds a way to win behind De'Ara King on offense. Has an inconsistent performance offensively. One of the worst offensive performances they've had all season against this Virginia Tech defense. But they find a way to get it done because their defense showed up late in that game. Probably aided by Virginia Tech's decision making and field position. But time and time again, 
it feels like when Virginia Tech has a chance to hold on to a game, a close game, it always tips in favor of the opponent. How many times are you sitting there watching the game, just praying, just praying that the team holds on? And you know in the back of your mind, that low percentage odds of the other team coming out on top is probably going to happen. And yet again, it happened here. Time after time, it makes you wonder why it's happening. Why is this happening to Virginia Tech? It doesn't happen a lot of other places, but it happens at Virginia Tech. And looking at this in a vacuum, not a bad result. You lost by one to the number nine team in the nation. And I totally get that, and that's what I put out there. I thought the players had a fantastic game plan. They just didn't show up in the fourth quarter against a top-ranked team. That is totally normal. That happens almost everywhere. The better team with the better talent, with the better coaching, usually prevails at the end. But this one, this particular game, it felt like a letdown because it's not just Miami. It's Liberty. It's Wake Forest. It's UNC. It it dates back to Old Dominion, Syracuse. It's time and time again there's these big letdowns that constantly hinder this this program status to be the program that they're capable of. And quite honestly, with all the inconsistency, it makes sense why Virginia Tech is in the place that they're in right now. If they had better talent, better recruiting, better fan engagement, more donors, maybe we're talking about a completely different team. But as it sits right now, If Virginia Tech is not up by 20 points in the fourth quarter, I don't think anyone has faith right now that they're going to close out a game. And it's becoming a consistent issue against teams that, quite honestly, there's times where you're going to say Virginia Tech should lose a game. Maybe UNC's that game this year. But there are other times you look at these opponents and you say, you know what, I don't care what the ranking is on the overlay of whatever broadcast I'm watching. Virginia Tech is the better team, but because of decision-making from either the coaching staff or specific players in key moments, it's just not the case. And no game comes down to one decision, but these things are starting to pile up. And against Miami, it was evident yet again. So in closing, Miami, defense, great game. Jalen Holston, great game. Hendon Hooker, we're starting to see a bit more of his deficiencies as a passer, specifically going downfield. And the conservative approach mixed in with the inability to close out a game is another defining factor in why people are so upset with this program right now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's move on to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is a lot like Virginia Tech this year, sitting at 4-4. Four and four. They beat Austin Pay 55 to 0. That was their most convincing victory of the year. They beat Syracuse 21 to 10 in 
quite possibly the most boring game I've watched this year. They beat Louisville in a close one, 23 to 20. And their last game, which actually happened or will have happened two weeks from the Virginia Tech game this upcoming weekend, they beat FSU 41 to 17. So who did they beat? They beat a team Virginia Tech beat in Louisville with a much lower score. They beat a terrible Syracuse. They beat Austin Pay, who's Austin Pay, and they beat a terrible FSU. Their losses have come to NC State, 30-29 to in overtime. They lost to Boston College by one point. They lost to Miami, 31-19, and they got blown out by Notre Dame, 45-3. to So what's the take on Pittsburgh? This is a team that could be 6-2. and Could be. If they flip their luck against NC State and BC, probably the same thing you're talking about Virginia Tech if they flip their luck about against Liberty and Miami. They're one and four in their last five. Virginia Tech is two and three in their last five. I would say that this is a game between two teams that I wouldn't call bad. I would say they're both solid middle of the pack ACC teams, but they're both looking for a consistent solution to win for Virginia Tech. It's going to have to be through their offense. And for Pittsburgh, like it has been all year, it's about their defense. Now, Pittsburgh has not played since November 7th against FSU. Keep in mind, it's going to be the 21st when these two teams play. They had to pause all athletic-related activities prior to their scheduled game against Georgia Tech last weekend. They had a COVID outbreak. Thank you, Justin Fuente. The joke continues, but... In all seriousness, this is a team that hasn't played in a while, and it's not not like it's giving them any advantage. We don't know who's going to be in, who's going to be out, who's still affected by it. Likely, it's still a 10-day protocol at the very least, which means I do expect several key players for Pittsburgh not being able to suit up. There's no excuse this weekend against Pittsburgh. So let's talk about their offense. There's Kenny Pickett, the guy with two gloves. I always joke around about him, but he's a player that pretty much is the heart and soul of this Pittsburgh offense. Nearly 1,600 yards, 62.3% passing percentage this year, eight touchdowns, three interceptions, missed a few games due to an injury, already said he's going to declare after this year for the NFL draft, which I find very interesting. But Kenny Pickett is essentially the offense. They're a team that can't seem to run the ball. Their leading rusher is Vincent Davis with 313 yards, averaging three yards per carry, only four touchdowns. A.J. Davis, their backup, has 35 carries for 140 yards. Again, four yards per carry. They're not seemingly able to run the ball that well. Kenny Pickett, not really a scrambler. Combined with his foot issue that kept him out for a few games, I don't expect to see him running a whole lot against the Virginia Tech defense, which is a sigh of relief after playing three not good, elite dual threat quarterbacks in the last three weeks. So this is a bit of a different matchup. Kenny Pickett's kind of your rough and tough game manager. Who are his options? I find it interesting that they don't really target their tight ends. They have seven total receptions among tight ends. And their entire offense, at least in the passing game, is pretty much funneled through Jordan Addison, a wide receiver with 52 receptions 
for 611 yards and three touchdowns. DJ Turner, a transfer from Maryland, who is kind of like an all-purpose back. Shockey Jack Luis, Taysier Mack, Jared Wayne. All those names, what you really need to know is any of them kind of can show up, but it's really about the Addison show. On the ground, they don't do a lot, and Kenny Pickett is kind of their guy. So what this means against the Virginia Tech defense, they do a lot of weird things with their offense. They're kind of like the team that they depend on a good special teams. They depend on their defense and their punter to pin opposing offenses back so that they have good field position. Kenny Pickett can do enough through the air. They can do just enough to move the chains on the ground. Don't expect a lot of big plays on the ground game like we saw a few years ago at Heinz Field when it was 52-22 to and Pittsburgh had a stable of NFL running backs. But, uh, you know, they get to the red zone. They love running the quarterback power. Kenny Pickett, in that, at that point, uh, regardless of his foot issue, if he's two yards out, expect to see him keep the ball and try to run in for a touchdown. They don't really trust their running backs in the end zone. And I found it interesting. They used their backup quarterback, Nick Patty, who had two rushing touchdowns against FSU. I wonder if that's kind of his new role as the red zone quarterback power kind of guy. Think of like a Quincy Patterson, uh, only this guy's not as big. He's 6'3", 215. Just something to keep an eye out for. Um, and, you know, overall, this is a team that tries to do enough on offense. They're fine settling for field goals. Really, when you look at it, Pittsburgh is predicated on their defense. Their defense has been unbelievable this year. They're number one in the nation in sacks with 38. What I find interesting is Virginia Tech is surprisingly number two with 30. So they definitely get after you on the defensive line. And they're number one in the nation in tackles for loss with 11.6 per game. What that means is they will bring their front seven and they will get to you. The players to watch, Patrick Jones, a lot of people remember him, 7'5", 7, 6'5", seven, six 265 pounds. Rashad, Rashad Weaver has 5.5 sacks this year. 5.5 sacks this year. Wow. Uh, he's another big guy on the defensive line. They did have some opt-outs with Jalen Twyman, who's declaring for the NFL. Uh, Paris Ford, a safety, opted out, will prepare for the NFL, much like Caleb Farley. But they have a lot of good players. Servaccia Dennis, hope I'm saying his name right, leads the team in tackles with 49, has four sacks from the linebacker position. Damar Hamlin, one of the best defensive backs in the country. Uh, he's a guy that has two interceptions, but always seems to come up in, in big situations and will likely see a lot of action against Trey Turner, uh, Chase Pine, Brandon Hill, a guy that came in to replace Paris Ford, had a 50-yard pick six the other weekend. So they have a lot of players on defense. And this is a team that it's really hard to convert on third down. We've seen so many times Virginia Tech get into third and longs and they get off the field, but this is no ordinary team. This is a team dedicated to their defense. Kind of reminds me of a Big Ten school, honestly, with the way that they play. Um, but they have the most third down stops in the entire country, the most third downs against them. 
124 third downs, only 44 have been converted. That means anywhere between third and inches to third and long. Teams have only converted 44 times. They really lock in and they try to get give you the low percentage play. So Virginia Tech is going to have to be good on third down. The last thing I'll say about Pittsburgh is they have 67 penalties this season, which is a ton. The only teams that have more penalties, Boston College, UCF, and then get this, Miami, Florida State, and West Virginia. Makes sense, right? So they're one of the most frequently penalized teams. Maybe that's Narduzzi getting called for certain fouls. Who knows with his antics on the sidelines? But, uh, you know, this isn't a very disciplined team. And I think there's going to be opportunities. The way I see this for Virginia Tech. Let's first start off with the offense. We talked about it. They're going to have to rely on Hendon Hooker carrying the load over the middle and beyond 10 yards. And that's the one area he's struggled this season. Can he do it this week? If James Mitchell comes back and doesn't just play five snaps like he did against Miami, I think there's a much better chance. We've seen time and time again, when Pittsburgh breaks down, it's because of the big plays. If Khalil Herbert comes back 100%, there's been times where he's completely drowned out in the offensive line. He has no room to run, and he bounces out, and he finds a hole, and all of a sudden he's gone. James Mitchell and Khalil Herbert are imperative if Virginia Tech wants to win this game. I think they can do it with other options, but quite honestly, those two guys are going to need to be as close to 100% as possible. The second factor is going to come on the offensive line and in their pass protection. We'll see. This is probably the most talented defensive line that the Virginia Tech offensive line will face off against. Luke Tenuta had a terrible game. There's no other way to spin it. He just couldn't contain Jalen Phillips, and he's going to have a much tougher time going against Patrick Jones or Rashad Weaver. They're going to have to be able to protect Hennon Hooker. He's going to have to make quick decisions. And ultimately, they cannot afford to see the line marker go backwards. This is a team that is very opportunistic. They rely on sacks. They rely on tackles for loss. They rely on putting teams in third and long positions where they can pin their ears back and get to the quarterback and rely on their defensive backs to do enough in coverage. Virginia Tech is going to have to get second and shorts, third and shorts, maybe even convert a fourth down here and there. And let's not be naive here. Negative plays will happen. This is, again, one of the most talented, most consistent defensive fronts, defensive lines for sure. Linebackers seem to do enough, but Virginia Tech cannot afford any negative plays. For the Virginia Tech defense, I actually feel pretty comfortable in this game. Now, Kenny Pickett, again, is the heart and soul of this team. Jordan Addison is the big play maker on this team. Uh, Vincent Davis, A.J. Davis kind of do enough on the ground game. The offensive line is good at some positions, bad at others. They're actually one of the teams that gives up a ton of tackles for loss, which puts them in situations like Virginia Tech and third and longs, and they don't really have the talent to uh, consistently sustain drives. So I think this is going to be a big game specifically for guys like Chamari Connor, Dax Hollyfield, being involved in a little bit of everything. Now, Pittsburgh isn't a good offense by any means whatsoever, but they are still a balanced offense, which means it's going to require Dax Hollyfield to do a bit of everything. 
We talked about how they started to play more man-free, and he looked more like himself last weekend. Rayshard Ashby, same thing. Uh, Chamari Connor's going to kind of have to do it all, too. The tight ends don't really get involved. That's kind of his responsibility of the defense. So he's going to have to be involved with the run game primarily and then get over the middle, cover the slot receiver. It's going to be a lot on his shoulders in order to keep Pittsburgh off the field for three downs. Ultimately, I think this is a game that Virginia Tech just cannot afford to lose. You kind of have the sense that Virginia Tech is out of the ACC title picture with Notre Dame, with Miami, with Clemson. You know, all those teams are kind of shoe-ins at this point, uh, fighting it out between themselves. But right now, Virginia Tech just has to focus on getting back on track, continuing that bull streak. And I think this is a perfect opportunity to rewrite history at Heinz Field. So many times we've seen Virginia Tech go to Heinz Field and fail. I mean, dating back to Frank Beamer, 21-16 in his last trip to Heinz Field, the last victory was a 39-36 to win in the first year of Justin Fuente. Then you think about the last time, and I cannot believe it was only two years ago, but 52-22 to in perhaps the most humiliating defeat especially knowing that you have Bud Foster and watching that performance. I mean, that was just the cherry on top of not a great season. So for Virginia Tech, this is about beating up on a team that is looking for some consistency, finding your own consistency, because it's going to get a lot harder after this. We talked about it going into Liberty, but these final three games now, they're all big ones. Clemson, UVA, Pittsburgh, these are all rivals or a top-rated team that you're praying for a miracle. So every win counts at this stage of the season. Three more games to wrap it up. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the solo cast. I didn't want to put too much into here. I didn't want to overwhelm you guys, but Pittsburgh is going to be a challenge. It's going to be a physical game. I'm looking forward to see what happens, and uh, we'll catch up with you guys. After the game, we'll see if Virginia Tech can improve to five and four or if they fall to four and five. At the end of the day, one team's going to be five and four and one's going to be four and five. Uh, we'll see what happens, but thank you guys for bearing with us in a solo cast, and we'll see you guys next time. time open all the doors and let you out into the world it's the nfl offseason but on pick six part of the cbs sports podcast network the football season never stops host will brinson john breach and tyler sullivan are joined by analysts like brady quinn leslie Ducible, katie mox and rj white to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league whether it's free agents signing with new teams the all-important nfl draft or schedule release day pick six has you covered as the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.